The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Living Well with Ann Beal. Our show is a health show, a lifestyle show, and an empowerment show rolled into one. Get ready to hear some stories of success, healthy living tips, and suggestions to get motivated and live your best life. Now, here is your host, Ann Beal. Welcome to our show today. We have a wonderful show today to help out people who are suffering from chronic illness or chronic pain or both. Um, The name of our show today is actually Living Well with Chronic Pain. Which, to a lot of people, that sounds like an oxymoron. And I think that most people think like that. When you have chronic pain, you want to get rid of it. And when it doesn't go away, you get more and more frustrated and hopeless. We have today a guest who, in my opinion, is a specialist with chronic pain. She is a new counselor, life coach with our practice, Life Solutions Coaching and Counseling. And Brooks Bing is her name. Welcome to the show, Brooks. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Brooks has an incredible background with pain. She actually woke up one day in Europe with an autoimmune disorder called CIPD? DP. DP. See, I knew I'd say it backwards. That's all right. I tried to say it right. (laughs) CIDP, which, you know, uh, most people don't know what that is. And so we had Brooks on because when she woke up with the CIDP, she was paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Sure was. And so was that your first experience? It was. I was having bouts of, of being unsteady and my walking was, you know, getting a little bizarre at times, but really didn't know what it was. And it wasn't until I encountered the paralysis that we started down the path of discovering the CIDP. At the time when I was in Europe, they didn't really know it was CIDP. They started looking at tons of other things, um, trying to rule out, you know, various diagnoses. And it took another four years or so before we got to the diagnosis of CIDP. You woke up paralyzed. I did. I so did. in the beginning, you had some balance issues. I did. How long before you ended up paralyzed? Um, we, uh, I had balance issues for maybe four years and it just was slight, something that you, you really wouldn't, you know, I went to the doctor, he was like, uh, nothing, nothing major showing up, but you know, four years later it was. So it was four years before you were paralyzed. Before I was paralyzed, yeah. Were you in pain as well? At times I was having shooting pain, um, which ended up being neuropathy, um, but shooting pain in my (laughs) legs and, and hands and, um, it was very uncomfortable. So how old were you when that happened? So I was in my late 20s when that happened. Wow. So you've lived with that for 15 years? Long time. Yeah. Okay. And the difference for me with you, Brooks, is that you come to work every day and no one would know. No one would know if you didn't tell them. Right. And for me to hear your past and what you struggle with today, because even yesterday I was talking about neuropathy 
And I didn't realize you had neuropathy. I had not realized that neuropathy was part of CIDP. Right. And so would you tell us, it's an autoimmune disorder, but would you tell us exactly what it is? So it's called chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy. And, you know, it's an autoimmune disorder where the your body's attacking the coating around your nerves. And uh, inflammation has a lot to do with this. And so... There's a lot of pain that's associated with it, and, and sometimes there's paralysis. Sometimes it feels like a, a sock is starting at my feet and just coming up my entire body, and uh, at times the paralysis has stopped at my waist, and at times it stopped at my neck. Which know? is why you were on a ventilator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So for you, you woke up paralyzed, meaning you couldn't move all the way to your neck that day? Yeah. I woke, Well, I woke up paralyzed to my waist, and it you know for years it just would stop at my waist. It was coming up my legs and stop at my waist and then years later it you know progressed up to my neck and involved my breathing so they would have to put me on a ventilator just to just keep me alive you said to me earlier you almost died four times three, three or four times three or four times absolutely had i not you know rushed to the hospital and uh you know allowed them to to really intervene for me um and I, if i would have gone to sleep i could have died in my sleep because the paralysis would have continued so that is amazing today to see you today. So you are much improved. Much, much improved. But one of the things that I didn't realize is that you still live with pain today. Absolutely. You know, and it, pain has just been a process for me for a long time. I spent, you know, years trying to avoid pain, didn't want to deal with pain, ignoring pain. Please, God, don't let it come back pain. Fear was so all around pain that... Um, it was, it was a really hard time until I learned some techniques to, to use to get through it. So before that happened, why were you in Europe? I was in Europe um, traveling, taking pictures, being an artist, having oh, fun, wow. getting to see the world. And uh, I would probably still be there today if um, things didn't happen this way. But So that would have been your preferred way of life? Well, I don't... I don't I, don't want to say it's my preferred because I really love my life now. Yeah. Um, things happen for a reason, and uh, it led me to a, a really incredible place uh, called Today in This Moment. So I'm really happy with, with where I am now. You traveled around Europe taking pictures. Did you draw as well? Oh, you, went, you were an artist. You, yeah. were, you, were, you graduated from art school. Right. Uh, that is wonderful. So I have to ask later how in the world you got where you are today, right? Right. Um, was it because of that experience that drove you towards wanting to help other people? Oh, absolutely. When uh, I, I really don't think that I was in touch with humanity too much before I was actually uh, in the wheelchair. I mean, that sounds harsh and other people have said that's really not the truth but for me I was just living life and going and doing and I really wasn't paying attention to me and then to others and it really takes a combination of understanding yourself first before you can understand others so sitting down really and being paralyzed really led me to this conversation with myself which ultimately allowed a conversation with other people if that makes sense well it it got you to stop and kind of wake up out of your whirlwind I would Definitely say. Oh, absolutely. You got your legs pulled out from under you, yes. with no pun intended. How long were you in? So you were in a wheelchair, I take it, then. Off but- and on, I was in a wheelchair. I, um, I was paralyzed in Europe for a while and was in um, a hospital there and spent quite a bit of time just waiting um, for information. And they, of course, spoke French. And when you're trying to understand neurology and 
through French, it's, you know, difficult when you don't, you know, you haven't mastered the language. So it was a lot of anxiety and stress waiting to hear and, and they weren't um, certain as to what was going on. Um, so it wasn't long before I moved from Europe back to the States and um, really started a um, journey in uh, trying to, to really heal and, and feel better. Yeah. A lot of people run into that frustration with diagnosis when they don't feel well. For you, it was four years before they diagnosed it? Yeah, it was. So it was in 2004 when they formally diagnosed it. And I had gone to several hospitals, talked with several doctors. And, and you know, they were trying. They just didn't Did they come. give you other diagnosis? They were trying to give me other diagnosis. <laughs> but it was really, um, maybe we don't know exactly what's going on. Maybe this is a new situation. It was um, different symptoms leading them different paths. And it, it wasn't until 2004 I, I met a doctor in a small town in Texas. And uh, he had just seen the, the complete package of CIDP. And so he knew pretty much right away, this is what we're dealing with. And he was able to start treatment on me pretty quickly. You know, a lot of people go through that and, and not finding someone. And I think autoimmune, they really don't know so much about it. And I've had people on, and most people say it's rare. What I have is rare. And that's because, really, honestly, when did autoimmune technically start getting diagnosed right like in late 90s I guess late yeah late 90s and that was mostly what fibromyalgia I think right um and then you've just seen other ones and so do you know the difference at all with I mean I don't want to ask you something you don't know I know you're not you're not a doctor when it I'm comes to doctor. autoimmune yeah. you know about yours and you know the similarities but um I think if you could explain, because it, does it also involve your muscles as well or just your myelin sheath? Well, it involves your muscles in the sense of when your myelin sheath is not protecting your nerves and your nerves aren't able you know, to transmit the information to your muscles, then your muscles will start to atrophy. They'll start to waste. And so, sure, there's a lot of muscle involvement or lack of involvement, really, um, once that process happens. There are other people that have demyelinating diseases, like MS is a demyelinating I was disease. Yeah, it sounds yeah. similar. And that uh, they have a more central component where peripheral, you know, deals with your legs and your and your hands. I've had some central components, but I don't have MS. But they're they're very similar in the sense of the pain and you know the weakness and the wasting of muscles and stuff like that. We definitely want to hear how you survived the chronic pain and even today how you manage it. I mean, and I don't, I don't even think you manage it per se. It's almost like you just go on despite it or something. And, and you don't, I, I, was there a time for you when you got depressed? Oh, absolutely. At the beginning of this, the very first thing that you want is a diagnosis. It seems, and everyone that I've run across is really like, if they would just give me a diagnosis, I, at least I could have something to hang my hat on. And so, you know, I think that you almost feel crazy running around trying to to figure out what is it that's happening to me. And you know it's very real, but they can't come up with the answer first. And so it took a while to get to that point. And then after that, it took a while before I was able to really um, get to the place where I practice being in the now. You also really specialize in helping people with chronic pain, being able to really cope with it on a daily basis well. I mean, living well with chronic pain, I mean, how in the world does someone do that? One of the things that most people connect with chronic pain is people are sad. People are mad because they're in pain. Right. Or they have immense anxiety. 
um, they're not happy people because they feel so bad. Right. And so they tend to be impatient and irritable and sometimes angry. Right. Um, they isolate. They seclude. And I know that you have gone through all of that. Did all of that. And, and really in the, the process of just learning about, A, my disease and, and B, how I was going to manage it, it's really breaking it down into three components. There's pain. There's the emotional reaction, which is what you were just talking about. And then you have these pain-triggered thoughts, these thoughts of, I'm not ever going to get better. Um, I, I can't be happy now because I'm in pain. And life is just miserable now that I'm in pain. And if you take those three areas of the physical pain, the emotional reaction, and then those triggered thoughts, and you, and you really look at that, and the physical pain can be like sharp or stabbing or fatigue or feels like lightning's hitting your body. There's all kinds of different physical reactions. But when you look at those three areas, it breaks down that two of those are mental aspects. And so when you start to consider that, then, you know, you think, well, if I can get control of two of those aspects, will it help, you know, the pain, the physical pain of it? And it really did. And teaching people how to get control of their emotional reaction to it, where they're angry and frustrated and sad about it, and have, how to get a control of the pain-triggered thoughts really is going to help the physical pain. Because when you're mentally stressed, your muscles you know, tighten, tension sets in, and then the physical pain really sets in. So teaching people about those two aspects is really important. And I think that if, you, if your muscles tighten and you're stressed and, you know, because you're in pain, um, that can make it worse by tightening. And I think that's the misnomer or the oxymoron about relaxing when you have pain. Most people have trouble relaxing when they're in pain unless they get a painkiller or a muscle relaxer or something like that. But right now you are, I mean, you're not, most of the time you weren't on medicine. No, I really made a conscious decision early on to not go down that route. And I don't, I'm not against pain medicine. I'm not against you know, uh, people using medication. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, because I don't deal well with medication, it doesn't set well with me. Does that mean it makes you sick? It makes me sick. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, let's just save it for a time that I do need it. um, And let's see how much I can manage on my own. And so I think had I started down the path of medication right at first, I would never have reached the understanding that that I have now of how to overcome physical pain and the emotional um, uh, part that goes with it. That's one thing that the medical field really doesn't teach. They are quick to give the pain, and the pain medicine. And of course, people are in such pain, they want that. I mean, if they're not used to pain, it really doesn't mu- take much pain for people to want pain medicine. Absolutely. I mean, the average person, they get a headache, a mild, maybe even a medium headache, they reach for a painkiller, right, to get rid of it. The kind of pain you're talking about is like multiplied 10 times that. And so, of course, people are going to want pain medicine. That's the only thing that they tend to give them. Yeah, I think that, you know, um, it would be great for doctors to to offer that and, and say, and here's another way as well, you know, to, you know, consider this. Um, but when you're when you're in pain and you're going for help and that's the answer that they give you, um, then you cling to it because you don't know what else to do. A lot of people go there. And then a lot of people get addicted. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, people can make fun of, 
even like celebrities who are on painkiller for pain and they get addicted to it. But every honestly, most people struggle with that. And the doctors are like, we can deal with the addiction later. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it is not easy. I work with that all the time. So it's not not easy. And so do you with addiction. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's, I'm going to ask you that too. But um, so for you to say, I'm going to try other things as well. I just really encourage listeners out there, if you know people in pain or you're in pain, to, you know, um, the cool thing about Brooks is she combines a lot of things. You know, she's not against medicine um, and, you know, but to combine them and use many different things. And I think in the in the Midwest here, in the southern central section of America, we're often really just limited to the MDs and all medical model. Right. You don't get right. a lot of the naturopathic, holistic, natural, even essential oils, things that you can do naturally and mindset change, which you have learned um, to really help you be able to control those thoughts. But you, I've never heard anyone talk about it like you. Wow. Um, that's, that's incredible. And I think that um, there are a lot of people out there that are really taking the turn and doing some incredible um, work with, with pain. And, um, you know, they're introducing mindfulness and, People are doing Tai Chi and yoga and, you know, they are using the essential oils and, you know, just a lot of incredible alternative approaches are really working. So what what has worked for you? Because you are so different than most people that I've met that have gone through stuff like this. What has worked for you? That's what I want you to share. I, I think it really came down to learning that pain is not one block solid item. There are very... Uh, the, every your pain isn't just one thing. So you have heat and you have cold and you have really sharp pains and you have dull aches. And, and you know, when we talk about it, the language that we'll use around it a lot of times when we're saying, I'm in pain, it's overwhelming. It's as if it's just one big thing that controls us. So being able to stop and really be sensitive to your body and, and listen to your to what your what's going on in your body and to be able to to say you know that's that's a pain in this muscle and it and it hurts really bad or that's a pain in this foot that's just really feels like lightning but over here when I you know rub on my forearm it doesn't hurt at all or if I touch my face on the left side it doesn't hurt at all and so identifying with all the places in your body that don't hurt really puts things into perspective. Does that make sense? Yes. So the people with the neuropathy, most often I'll hear it in the feet, Mm -hmm. um, but not anywhere else in there. But they're in pain. They're in miserable pain. It's miserable pain. And, you know, some people have it in their hands. And then people with trigeminal neuralgia have it in their face. And it's just, they isolate and go into a hole like you rarely see. I mean, it's bad. So there are a lot of different varieties Mm -hmm. of this that, uh, you know, we, we worked with. So for you, identifying where you didn't have pain was very important for I'm so, you. I'm sorry? Identifying where you did not have pain. Yeah, absolutely. So if you, if you find places in your body where you don't have pain, you realize, oh, okay, 90% of my body is not in pain right now, maybe just 10%. So that shifts the perspective of it. It, it shifts the conversation of pain uh, to, to, to one that's more bearable. Okay. And I, and I think what's interesting about that is we talk a lot in, in, on this show at times so when we had um, different people on talking about telling your story. And your story, if you've had something tragic happen to you, if you say it over and over, or if you say, I'm a bad person over and over, mm-hmm. if you say, I'm in pain over and over, um, what is that you're, you're saying? What does that exactly mean? You know, like, 
it's not exactly you're in you're not in pain you are you have some pain maybe is a better word yeah okay if you if you can get to the place and we can teach you how to do that where you where you collapse your story of pain because what your story of pain is your is your history your history you know becomes this thing that you you talk about i'm i'm in pain and then you're anticipating pain in the future so now you're past focused on what you went through and then your very future focus on what you're going to go through because you're you're terrified oh i'm going to be in pain later so really being able to collapse your your history of of pain and and gain an understanding of what else is not in pain and gain an understanding of how to use your other sense you know senses while you're in pain to to uh, realize that there's more going on and you know it really helps to collapse that story so that you can live in the moment and living in the moment is vital um, to dealing with pain and chronic illness. So by changing the way you think about it, changing the way you talk about it, mm-hmm. change the emotional thoughts. And, and it's weird how changing your thoughts changes your feelings. Mm-hmm. They used to think that your, your feelings controlled your thoughts, right? Now they know that your thoughts can control your feelings. So Absolutely. if you see like, you know, a spider on the ground, you may get anxiety. But if you see a piece of thread and you think it's a spider because you think it's a spider immediately you're freaked out well once you realize it's just a piece of thread immediately you're okay right so it's not really what's happening that's controlling it's what you're thinking about what's happening that's controlling what you're paying attention to yeah. absolutely and i know you say what you focus on is what happens or how do you put that well I just put it on focus on the now i focus on what's going on in this moment but what you think about comes about or if you think on pain, then you'll have pain. Yeah, absolutely. What we focus on is what we get, basically. And that sounds simple to a lot of people out there who might be in pain, because I think that the anger, frustration will be, well, they don't know what it feels like. I, I don't. I don't. I can clearly say that. I have lots of family members that do, and I have people that do, but it's not the same thing. You actually have been in immense pain. You were on a ventilator, too. You almost died four times. <laughs> You know what I mean? So yeah. you know what you're talking about. And I, I can give people motivating things and help them, but it's different when they have someone who truly has done it mm-hmm. and is living a good life now and a full life to be saying that. Well, it, it's really, um, you know, the best time to practice not being in pain is when you're not in pain. So people who aren't in pain yet, you know, practice now. Learn these tools now because later on we do have bodies and bodies do start to age. So at some point, we're going to have an ache or, or you know, a pain. And so it's, it's good for both people who are in pain now and people who aren't. That's amazing. Now, for you on the ventilator, your parents came. Yeah, I was starting to get to where I couldn't breathe. And the doctors at the hospital were telling me, moved me to ICU and told me, we've got to get you on a ventilator. And I was just wanting my, my mom there. <laughs> Grown woman wanting my mom. Um, but they were hurrying. My parents are wonderful. They were hurrying to try and get there. It's a couple hours drive. And, and I couldn't wait any longer. So uh, a great nurse held my hand and said, you're going to be fine. Let's just go for it. And uh, next thing I, I knew, I woke up. And uh, the, the rapid progression of paralysis had gotten up to my neck. So it involved my diaphragm. Couldn't breathe. And so the machine was there and it, and it saved my life. And that's the great thing about medicine. I mean, the medical philosophy, that that is what they do well. This is what MDs do well, and this is what hospitals do well. Acute care. Yes, acute care. Amazing. 
And when I heard your story, I'm like, that is amazing. My brother ended up on a ventilator um, last year, uh, never was in the hospital, never sick, and um, ended up on a ventilator, miraculously got better. He didn't even want to think about that time, you know. And so I, I was there with him when he was trying to communicate with us. And I know you had to have done that, trying to communicate with people around you, hearing people talk. Like the nurses and doctors, did you hear them talking? Oh, I heard everything that went on for days and days. And did they say right by you, you might not make it? Oh, absolutely. Oh. They said right across my body <laughs> to my parents once they got there that um, they didn't know if I was going to be able to come off of it or make it. or They didn't know what was going to take place. What did you do? Well, at that time, all I could move you know, were my eyes. That, that's the only thing that was <laughs> oh, yeah. moving. And I looked at my mom, and I could see the concern on her face, and I thought, you know, when the, when the doctor was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if she'll make it or not. I thought, how dare you, first of all, to speak that and use that energy around me. <laughs> don't talk. Don't speak that out. Don't. Don't no, speak no. that out. So uh, <laughs> I thought, you, let me get off this ventilator. And he and I are going to have a conversation. But I, I knew at that, at that time, at that moment, that all I have is the present moment. And that that's the only thing that. Not that I can control, but that I can work with. And I'm excited to be in that place. And I was determined to, you know, keep thinking thoughts of breathing. And, you know, I allow my mind to just, you know, think about breathing and think about sitting up and think about getting up and walking. And I mentally went there and, you know, I could see my arm hugging my mom and my dad. and, And so that's the state that I was in. And a ventilator is painful, right? It's not comfortable. No, at all. it's not. Mm-mm. And they tell you that they keep you in conscious sedation, but you're really awake and aware that you have multiple tubes <laughs> in you. So yes, that would be really uncomfortable. Well, th- well, the great thing is that you got through all that. Now you ended up on the ventilator more, or I, just one other time? No, another time. And you know, it was. Um, not as scary the second time, and it didn't last as long. So, and who knows why? I mean, maybe because I mentally could go there and allow myself to not be as afraid and realize, oh, this is just a step in, in getting back to, you know, doing life. So, that's wonderful. Yeah. Now, you had, you helped us with some of the things about pain. When we, um, when we get back from break, I want you to go over some more things about that um, and the resources that really helped you. Because okay. you said that really, um, when I was talking about, you know, websites or medical explanations or whatever, and then I said, what really helped you? It was none of that. Right. It was none of that. The more information did not help you. Right. And doctors give you information about everything that's going to happen to you in the future, and it's really all negative, right? Pretty much. Was any of it positive? Well, I mean, there are doctors out there that, that stay positive with you. And it's really good to connect with a doctor who will engage with your thoughts as well. You know, because a lot of times they're just prescriptive. They're telling you what to do. But a, a great doctor is going to listen to you and try to collaborate with you. And so you had a great doctor. I had, you great, had a great doctors. doctor. And, and I think that um, that the, you don't want to hear the negative. If they tell you, and I've had clients tell me the progression of what they say, you know, like, I'm having back pain, I'm having this pain, and they say I have this autoimmune, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and then I'm going to end up paralyzed, and then that. And I'm like, that is not good for your thinking. I mean, I know people get diagnosed with fibromyalgia now, Mm -hmm. long before I ever think that that would be fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. And so they just believe that they have it, and they're thinking. Mm -hmm. They just believe they're going to start hurting all over the body. Mm -hmm. But I also have people that 
have it a lot worse and believe it's going to go away. And then it starts going away. It is interesting what the mind can do. Yeah. I mean, I think that some people, they can believe it goes away and it goes away. I think that a lot of times it's just, you know, dealing with what does happen if things, you know, if it starts to become painful again. And just having a really good skill set to work with it. Because, again, we have bodies. They start to break and break down. So, Yes, having a wonderful skill set. And that's part of what I want you to show them so that they'll know what to do. They'll know where to go to get the information that you got so that they can get stronger because one of the things that amazes me is that you said it's not it's not necessarily about constantly thinking about getting rid of the pain Mm-mm. it's just accepting it's accepting who you are and what you are how did you say that exactly it's really just just being with yourself and, and accepting the moment and you choose it you're basically choosing okay I'm in pain right now I choose myself exactly how I am and it's when we do that it's when we absolutely choose where we are that we're able to then create our future of what we're going to have. So not so much worrying about the future, but but being where you are and accepting where you are, that's the power. That's just so much power in that. Right. And I think that's really awesome that you do just accept this is me. This is me. And this is my life right now. Um, and if people want to learn more from you, I just want to say before break, she is actually a counselor and a coach here at Life Solutions Coaching and Counseling, Brooks Bings. If you would like to hear more from her, you can call her, uh, 817-232-1363. Or if you email me at ablivingwell at gmail.com, I will send the emails right over to her and we'll get back to you on that. Fantastic. So we're going to take a break now. And when we come back, Brooks is going to tell us a lot of things to help with you being able to live like she does, living well with chronic pain. Stay right here. We'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Life Solutions Coaching and Counseling in Fort Worth, Texas is a full-service wellness clinic providing individual, group, and family counseling, one-on-one coaching for life and wellness, and naturopathic treatments of medical massage therapy combined with essential oils to ensure you reach your health and wellness goals. Sessions are available in person or by phone. Get started on your new life today. Just call 817-232-1363 or go to LifeSolutionsCoachingAndCounseling.com or email them at LifeSolutions.com cc at yahoo.com are you ready for a health life and empowerment show in one then be sure to listen every week for living well with ann beal ann takes her long-running tv show to the internet talk radio airwaves with guest experts and insight designed to help you live a healthy and successful life by hearing from the experts and those who have found success our goal is that you too will be motivated to do the same Living Well with Ann Beal can be heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. 
That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. This is Ann Beal, and my guest today is Brooks Bing, chronic pain specialist, life coach and counselor here at Life Solutions Coaching and Counseling. I wanted to have Brooks on, and in the first segment, um, for her to tell you uh, what she's been through, um, being paralyzed, being on a ventilator, having neuropathy, chronic pain from an autoimmune disorder, CIDP, and what it's done to her, but also today, the most important thing to motivate you and inspire you on your own to become, if you're in chronic pain or you have a chronic illness, to live the life that Brooks lives, to go on and be able to uh, move through the pain in a way that you can still live wonderfully. And I don't, I myself don't know how to do that. That's why I have heard a lot of things and I can pass those on to you and, and talk about chronic pain all I want, but I have not experienced it. And so that's why I wanted Brooks on. So she went through a lot of things in the first segment with me. And in this segment, she's going to tell you how you say in, in the present time. When she says staying in the now, I've asked her really to explain what that means because a lot of people, they hear that and they don't really know what that means. So the mindfulness of now is what you call it, being mindful mm-hmm. of today. And then she's going to go over the seven ways that she stays healthy that are so important to her that she wants to pass on to you. And then she's going to give you some resources that she used to get all her mindset changed They that she says helped her the most with relaxation, stress reduction, and um, motivation and really just encouragement for her to give her hope. So you stay right here. Brooks, welcome back. Thank you. Well, mindfulness, can you explain it? The way that I explain mindfulness, it's, you know, that when you're in a lot of pain or you have illness and, and there are just a million thoughts going through your mind and a million things being felt in your body, mindfulness is really being able to tune into. You're breathing, you know, taking a deep breath in and letting it come out and being conscious of, of that breath in that moment. That's the simplicity of mindfulness. And you can start to add to that, you know, while you're breathing and, and you're paying attention to that, then you can also notice, well, the wind's hitting my face right now, or I feel water running over my hands right now, or I can smell someone's just cut the grass and the freshly you know, my lawn is just really incredible. And I like to listen to my to my dogs crunch on their food. And so when you do these things and you're paying attention to a lot more things, it's really kind of sensory splitting. It's it's really taking your focus from your pain and shifting it and spreading it across several things that are really positive and amazing things to help you stay in the moment. I think that, you know, when I would do that, I noticed that I wasn't so worried about what was about to happen because when you're in pain and it's like you're always wondering if when's it going to happen again, what's going to happen next. And so being able to stay in the moment keeps you from focusing on your past or your future and it really, you know, focuses on right now and then when you can distribute it across senses, it really starts to decrease Uh, the actual physical pain because you're dealing with the two aspects of the emotional response and the triggered thoughts of, oh, I'm going to be in a future state in pain. It it removes those or it starts to soften the blow of those, which softens the blow of the physical pain. Does that make sense? So much. I would think that the anxiety you talked about, about being afraid it would come back. 
worried about it coming back all the time. Um, that because you were in such relief when it was gone, it would make sense that you would worry like that. And and instead, just stopping and enjoy the moment of not having the pain or not having as much pain. Or it almost sounds like what you're suggesting by listening and letting the other senses experience to take away the focus on that one sense That's of ab- touch. Absolutely. You're hearing and smell and sound and just closing your eyes and just listening outside to birds and the sun on your face and water on your hands. And uh, that that would almost, it's almost like if your toe hurts and someone stomps your hand, you meant you don't feel your toe anymore. Sort of like that. I hope no one uh, stomps on my hand. But. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like it does. I mean, you can switch the senses. Yeah, it's almost like I used to call pain the, my, my dust storm. It was just so much, and it was overwhelming, and you couldn't see clearly. And so what um, mindfulness really gave to me was it would settle the dust storm. It allowed me to see things more clearly. And then thoughts about pain, I would be able to say, oh, that's just a thought. That's just an anger response to pain. And suddenly anger wasn't an issue, too. But to, you, so a lot of people get angry when they're in pain or they get afraid. Right. And so suddenly fear starts to collapse and anger starts to collapse. And you just call them for what they are. And the pain starts to collapse, too. So, Because even though you have pain, you don't focus on that pain much at all. I mean, I don't, I don't, it's amazing that you can just go about your day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for you, the mindfulness of learning to focus on other things and listen to your senses. What else? Um, I think that, you know, a lot of people just want to be in control and mm-hmm. pain, and you know, runs away from people and they don't know how to control it. So I think that, you know, when you, when you start to practice the mindfulness, you know, you really do get a sense of control over it. You know, a lot of times I, I just, I, I'm just not the fastest person to cross the street. I mean, when friends would go to cross the street, I always would get stuck in the middle of traffic and cars would be zooming by both ways. And you can imagine you were afraid. I was very afraid. I remember being in Paris one time and that happened. And so <clears throat> pain is a lot like that. Fear is a lot like that. Anxiety is a lot like that. Depression can be a lot like that. Things are zipping by and you don't know what they are, but you just know you're just, you're just frozen and you don't know what to do. And what mindfulness and being in the moment, being in today really provides for you is it pulls you back down the street. And even though the traffic may be going by, the pain still exists or things that, you know, usually scare you still exist. And you can see them. You're able to say, that's just the traffic of it. That's just, it's not me anymore. It's just what it is. So I think that, you know, mindfulness is a huge, huge aspect of it. It allows you to break things down, allows you to be in the moment. And, uh, you know, it uh, pulls you out of that traffic of pain. Um, so are there any resources where people can learn more about mindfulness? I know The Power of Now, but Eckhart Tolle is one of them. That one, you know, was a little interesting, but it does help you with the really living in the now. I, I think that, you know, I use some workbooks. I like a lot of workbooks because it keeps you in the in the moment of doing something that, you know, is pulling you away. So there were workbooks like the Mindfulness and Accept, Acceptance Workbook for Anxiety because there's a lot of anxiety and pain. There's a lot of fear. And I think the practice hap- practicing happiness workbook was another great workbook uh, to work work through. Now, practice pr- practicing happiness is by Ruth Bear, B A E R, and the mindfulness and acceptance workbook for anxiety is by John Forsythe. Right, and George Eifert. Eifert, yeah. Um, so you guys can search and find those. And so the workbook that is a really good idea because it takes their mind off what's going on, and they can go through the book. This is another one, too, the Relaxation and Stress Reduction Workbook. There's a lot of those being sold. You can find these on Amazon. It's really easy to get these, but that's an incredible uh, workbook as well. 
So those really helped you. Absolutely. Okay. I also got involved with uh, listening to uh, music to really um, uh, kind of soften the blow of the day. And I listen to a lot of different um, healing CDs and, and music that's that has great rhythms and stuff. So Music for Healing, Mind, Body, and Spirit was one that I used. And that was by Stephen Halpern. Use that one. Stephen Halpern. Mm-hmm. Great Progressive guy. Muscle Relaxation. Um, that was produced by Beth Salcido, I believe, and that was an incredible one. Um, and and some, some various music. And I would I would see that my you know say if I was paralyzed in my legs for that day, I would be moving my arms and trying to to get rhythm and stuff with my arms. And if you pay attention to your motion, and you'll see me even still start to make movements, it really does pull you away from the pain. So. That looks like Tai Chi. Yeah. Did you ever take Tai Chi? Yeah, I did. That looks awesome. Yeah. You know, it, and it's it, incredible. moving your hands and stuff like that. You don't have to have taken Tai Chi. You can just practice a rhythm. Right. 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 And they say that it does the same thing. They just came up with these movements that cause the energy to flow right. differently. And so that's really cool. And I see you have one with about meditation. Meditation for Optimum Health by Dr. Weil. I've loved Dr. Weil for a long time, and uh, he's got some really incredible tools. So, And that's Weil, W-E-I-L. Mm-hmm. And I know for you, you've learned so much from all that. And I know at that time, you were reaching out to find anything that would help you, mm-hmm. I'm sure, like most people. And what, what would you say was one of the most defining things? Out of all of those things, or yeah. just a period? Just the whole thing that got you where you are today. What What do you think? If you, I know that you're going to share next the seven things that keep you where you are. Mm-hmm. I think realizing that I have a choice in absolutely everything. Realizing that I have a choice um, where I am in pain today. I have a choice as to what I'm going to do, what skill sets I'm going to use. I think that a lot of people, when they get in pain or when they're hurting or when they're depressed or have anxiety or stress, they don't realize you have a choice and you can... You can stay in that and be continue that, or right? you can choose to use a whole skill set that's going to pull you away from that. So I think the choice was really understanding that I have choice in everything that goes on. That That's the thing that, that's really catapulted me forward. You know, I wonder about your parents, because one of the things that you said was, the day after you got or the day after you got out of the hospital or the next day you went back to work, mm-hmm. how many people are able to do that? I don't know. I don't. I really don't know how many people are able to. I don't think I'm superhuman by <laughs> by any means, but I am. I am driven, and I I like to uh, do as much work as I can. I love to help people get stronger and better and happier and and overcome pain and and really um, be able to to have a really fulfilled life. You know. Well, and I think that is the key for. Getting your mind off of your own stuff, your own pain, your own depression, whatever tragedy has happened to you, um, is that you, by helping others, reaching out to help others in any way that you can, um, other people who are hurting or other people who are struggling, in any way, even if you're just talking to someone on the phone because you're, you can't get out of your wheelchair, encouraging someone else, anything that you can do to reach out and help outside of yourself does help you mentally. Oh, absolutely. It gives you a purpose. Well, I think a lot of times we forget when we're in the middle of crisis or pain or chronic illness or acute illness that we have a voice and and that we are um, really here for each other. And what we have to say is hugely important. And a lot of times pain will, will try to bury that. And so, you know, it's very important to understand 
that if you're if you're in pain right now, if you're suffering from depression, people need to hear from you. People really need to have conversations with you so that you can understand them and they can understand you. And in talking and in sharing, it helps so many people to get better. It's an idea that somebody hears and said, you know, if you hadn't said that or if you're not work if you hadn't been working on this to talk about this, I would have never thought about that. And so many people that I've worked with, you know, if they hadn't said what they said, how would I have ever gotten better? So I think that really getting out there and and talking to people with chronic illness or chronic pain, but also the people in chronic pain and chronic illness coming out and talking to and sharing so that everyone knows what's going on. It's really powerful. Socializing is so important, not isolating. Because I think even as you had said, most people tend to isolate when they're in pain. And that just takes all their focus off everything else and puts it mainly on themselves, which any kind of pain you're having emotionally or physically you know, to get it off of that helps decrease the pain. Helps if you fo- the more you focus on anything, the worse it can get, um, or the better it can get. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's only how you look at it, how you focus on it. And so number one, the mindfulness is focusing on other things when you're sitting along with or it, at, alone, and then also focusing on others by helping others. Yeah, I mean, mindfulness is really about focusing on your pain issues and and your other senses it's a it's about being okay with what's going on right now because if we don't choose the right now choose this moment then think we're just going to stay in this uh, trap of trying to change things and they don't change and we're resisting and they're persisting so it's really important to just be okay in the moment does that help you relax that's part of relaxing absolutely this is okay this is where i'm at right now but when you're angry and stressed and irritable and fighting it and resisting it, not that you don't want to get better because that's a mind thing, yeah, right? But right. you um, relax and just go, okay, I can get through this. This is this is not gonna this is not gonna overcome me. I'm gonna be able to do this. Yeah, it doesn't define me. It's not completely me. I'm not in the shadow of pain. It's just a part of me. It happens. I can call it for what it is. It's pain. And there's so many other things that aren't in pain, you know, mm-hmm. so many other things that are amazing. And so that ability, that choice and practicing, believe me, it takes practice. I mean, takes lots practice. of practice. And I've been practicing for a long time. I remember not too long ago, um, I had to go in the hospital to have a, a port put in my chest. And I'd never had just the implanted port. It had always been an external. But, in you know, there's a lot of swelling involved and they had to access that port, you know, with the next day. So it's very, very swollen. And you have that port right now. Oh, yeah. I've got that port right now. Uh, anyway, so they go to access the port, and I, I'm convinced the nurse uh, missed. We laugh about it, the nurse and I do still. But it was so painful. And I'd never really had a breakdown anxiety moment. But suddenly I thought, oh, what's going to happen? This is going to hurt. I'm Here I am in that future state. Not that it didn't hurt. It was hurting because it was swollen. But I realized... I'm still not a pro at this. It really takes practice still to this day. So once I started calming myself down and choosing to, you know, look around the room and see what I could identify and start to move my hands and and listen to the words that were being said, because they started saying, everything's fine. You're just you're just a little bit nervous right now. And so I was practicing it. Well, the next time when they went to access the port, it's no big deal. Now it's really no big deal. But it was it. I'm just reminded that it's daily. We have to practice this skill set. We're not ever masters, but we we really aim for it and go for it. Well, and I find that our bodies, if we don't calm down, 
if we panic, if we tighten up, if we get afraid, we can't think clearly. Mm -mm. But also everything is more scary and more painful that way. And we had a technical technical problem this morning. (laughs) And, you know, Brooks was getting a little overwhelmed because I was just calm. But I told her I have to stay calm. I have to stay calm. I just need you to do this and I'll do that and we'll get it working. (laughs) And I told her if I stay calm, I can do it and we can get through it and it's on time. Don't worry, we'll get through it. But I used to freak out, right? And so I couldn't think and it would delay. It would take away minutes and minutes and minutes. And so for me, when I just, I realized if I just don't freak out, I just stay calm. It always works. Mm -hmm. It is the weirdest thing. And I know for you that, that port, you have the plasma paresis? Plasma phoresis. Phoresis. Yeah, yeah. I don't know these medical terms. Plasma phoresis, <laughs> where you actually get the transfusions? Well, it takes your blood out of your body and it puts it through a centrifuge. And so it pulls off your plasma and puts it in a waste bag. And it takes your red blood cells and put it, it'll put it back in your body with fresh albumin. So they're basically taking maybe what's toxic in your system and dumping it out. And putting the other back. Freshening you up, yeah. You make that sound so, yeah, just do that. Okay. <laughs> Cool. So now what? So now what? Um, I think the things that really keep me going now, um, water is so hugely important. I think that most people are dehydrated all the time. And how can you think or do or feel well when you're not hydrated? You and most people go around dehydrated. Mm-hmm. So how much water? I'm drinking probably 10 bottles of water a day minimum. And so that's, uh, you know, you need to look at your weight and your size and all of that and figure out your water plan, but get some really, you know, good filtered water. Um, and yes, filtered water. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if it if you put it, if you think of it as 16 ounces, a lot of those water bottles are 16 ounces. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do 16 ounces in the morning when you first wake up and 16 ounces when you eat and six, you know, that's three times. Um, and then before you go to bed, well, not right before, right? Because you have to get to the bathroom. Right. But if you have four 16 ounces, that's quite a bit right there. Right. That's eight. How What is that? That's eight, yeah. right? Yeah. And so with, with 10, yeah, one more. Yeah. Do the one more 16 ounce. Yeah. And so if you do it like that, um, and so a lot of people, they use those water bottles that way, or they have a bottle that they bought that's similar to a water bottle mm-hmm. because they're 16 ounces, mm-hmm. and that tells them two cups, two cups, and they'd spread it throughout the day that way. Is that yeah. what you do? Well, the, yes, that's what I do. You were but smiling. The, <laughs> the nurses that, that I used to work with, they had their gallon jugs, and they'd put a line, this is for 9 o'clock, this is for 10 o'clock, so they would... That See, helps. Yeah, all the way down. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. If you're if you're home, right, right, right. There are these people that come here with their big old jugs. I mean, they're like workout. They look a little nicer than a gallon thing, but right. they they carry it. And a lot of guys will do that. Guys don't do the water bottles so much as the big containers, right? Mm-hmm. And so they keep up with how much they drink because they feel so much better. Right. If you're getting, if you have a dry mouth. You're dehydrated. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing how many people go around like that. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, when people are on boats, they have life jackets. They're, they're, they know that that's what's going to keep them, you know, afloat. With, with uh, our bodies, water is the life jacket. But we really need it. We really need to, to dehi- be drinking it. Because dehydration would tighten you up inside. Yeah, and you, and you get to an inflammatory state, you know. Oh, that sounds painful. That's arthritis right there. Yeah. Anything that's inflammation is itis. Right. right? Um, the other thing that is really important is exercise. And, you know, it can be walking. It can be a brisk walk, like a 30-minute uh, walk like you're about to miss the plane or train. Just get up and go. And uh, that's that's hugely important. But I think with, with exercise, 
I think that it's a community um, uh, process. I think that walking with somebody walking. is really important. Having someone there with you, the energy's different, you work harder, and you're able to communicate. And isn't that what we did years ago when we were hunter-gatherers is yeah. walk and, and, you know, uh, work together. Even those chair exercises you can do with other people, mm-hmm. I've seen them a lot. Yeah. But getting your heart rate going is really important. Uh, sunlight, to me, is uh, just hugely important. Getting up and, and getting into it as fast as I can to, to lift my mood and, and uh, allow the, the, what the sunlight does to us, it, it, it really helps. Um, I really am a big believer in community. I think that it's really important to, to be involved in your community in, in all types of aspects. Get up, get involved. And be with people where you're not, uh, you know, ruminating about bad things. You're not going over, oh, I'm so sick. I'm so tired. I hurt so much. But you're allowing yourself to experience other people and other things. Um, And it helps them, too. Absolutely. It helps them, too. Omega-3s, to me, are hugely important because that's going to reduce the uh, inflammation process. And that's what we need to do. And that would be like flaxseed oil, fish oil, Mm -hmm. um, barrage oil. I mean, they do have EFAs. In gel caps now, even chewables, mm-hmm. right? And some of them are called triple omegas, omega three, six, and nine EFAs. Yeah, yeah. Any e- of those? The I read an article not long ago where an EPA of one thousand to to two thousand milligrams within the um, so they omega threes that it's actually a, a natural antidepressant. It so, is, yeah. and that's why I suggest three thousand a day. The capsules are one thousand and have three. Yeah, one. You know, you can do it three times a day, and it is. Mm-hmm. It's an, a natural anti-inflammatory as well. It helps with pain. It helps with depression. It helps with mood. It helps with eating too. You don't get the cravings. Right. And then meaningful activities and events. We've got to have a you know describe for yourself a meaningful day, and then go live it. You know, go out there and be be around it, and then. It's not in the seven, but it really matters the most is a lot of laughter. Be sure and laugh. Laughter's laugh- medicine. Yeah. Yes. Laughter's medicine. Absolutely. Yes. And we weren't as funny at this one. I really wanted her to have time to say everything she needed to say. And so at one point I thought, are we being too heavy? Maybe we should like tell a joke. But we didn't have time. <laughs> so I hope you guys listened. I hope you guys learned. Thank you so much, Brooks, for being uh, thank on. Thank you for having me. And you know what? I'm going to have her on again today. I just asked her to kind of focus on chronic pain. Um, she's been through so much. And so we are going to, in, in the future, have her on for anxiety and worry and things like that. Um, and what resources? Because she has this mindset that's just incredible that helps her function to a level that, you know, I know people with these and they hardly get out of their house. So we want to keep teaching you um, and let you know about Brooke. Brooks with an S. Brooks, Brooks. with an S. <laughs> <laughs> and so thank you for tuning in to Living Well. And uh, I want you from this day forward to start learning how to live well with chronic pain. So thank you for tuning in and we'll see you here next week on Living Well. Take good care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Thank you again for joining us. Living Well with Ann Beal airs live every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to see you again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericaempowerment.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 